Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined by professional tennis coach, commentator, and friend of the program, Mark Lucero, to discuss the upcoming action happening this week at the Miami Open. Of course, this Miami event, the second half of the Sunshine Swing. We just got done enjoying all of the action at Indian Wells. And of course, we will have thoughts from those matches in mind. And that's why I wanted to talk to Coach Lucero about the differences in the conditions between Miami and Indian Wells, why those differences in conditions may lead to different results here this week. Of course, I also wanted to get into the differences in the new Hard Rock Stadium host site for this Miami Open and how it differs from the Key Biscayne site that once was the venue for this event. I had the chance to travel to that Key Biscayne site in October, so I had some thoughts on that venue as well, but of course, Coach Lucero explains why this Hard Rock Stadium not only more amenable to fans, but better for the players, better for the coaches, better for everyone involved in this event. Of course, I also asked Coach Lucero to share some of the buzz on the grounds in Miami. Are people talking about the Ashley Barty retirement? Are people excited about the rise in American men's tennis? What are people discussing as we wrap up this first third of the season? It is a fantastic conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to it, have to give a quick shout out to our friends at Turna for their support of this show. You all know the deal. Everyone uses Turna Grip. Pros, college players, juniors, your local club players. We all use it because it's the best grip in the business. And you will recognize that purplish blue grip if you see it on the butt of any tennis racket. Of course, you can find Turna Grip wherever you buy your tennis goods, where hopefully, by the way, you're buying them at Tennis Point. But if you'd like to learn more, about Turner, not just the grips, but the strings and everything else they're doing to make better equipment for those of us 
us in the tennis world, you can contact them and join the team by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Cracked Rackets sent you. They'll hook you up with free samples, hook you up with discounted pricing as well. Again, that's email sales at uniquesports.com, sales at uniquesports.com. A huge thank you to our friends at Turna for their support. Of course, if you're looking for anything else that's happening in the tennis world, further thoughts on the Barty retirement or just the action that's happening in Miami, head on over to our mini break podcast feed, head on over to our website, crackedrackets.com. But with that said, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with returning champion, Mark Lucero. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows, a man you may know best from his critically acclaimed Check the Mark podcast. Of course, you probably also recognize his voice from the Tennis Channel Minute Clinics, of course, a coach for various professionals throughout the course of his career, and a voice you will recognize from the commentary booth on oh so many matches. It is our friend Mark Lucero. Coach, looking good as always. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. You know, I think uh, democracy is going to live another day, so uh, we're all good. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Still uh, still up in the air, maybe, on that question. But I imagine things have to be good when you're back on the sunshine swing, right? And, I, you know, for you, I know Indian Wells, an event near and dear to your heart. Now we are, I'm talking to you now. You are live in Miami. How nice is it to just be back in person at these events, back-to-back, have that rhythm back? Yeah, it's nice to be back in person at these events. It's nice to be back at versions of these events that we're accustomed to over the years. You know, there's fans here, you know, there's like last year, this I'm looking out from a luxury suite into the stadium. Last year, the stadium was totally empty. There was no stadium court last year. It was just the, the Dolphins grass field was for the players. Now this year, they rebuilt that stadium court inside this, you know, Hard Rock Stadium. There's obviously all the field courts and uh, it's just buzzing with activity. And that's kind of what we want, where we want to be. Yeah, how were so the Indian? Exciting. How were the Indian Wells crowds last week? Was it pretty full? I thought they were good. I mean, normally Indian Wells sort of peaks that middle weekend where the seeds start playing. The women play their second round. Usually, that Saturday Sunday is mayhem, and then it thins out a little bit during the week just because there are fewer matches. The outside courts aren't going quite as much, and obviously, kids you know are either on spring break or they're back in school. But I thought I thought the crowds were really good at Indian Wells, particularly coming off the Indian Wells that we were in. In October. Yeah, there will always be Rafa love, and I think that brought the crowd certainly on championship weekend. That said, the new faces, Fritz, Alcaraz, Fiontech, this may be a stupid phrase, stupidly phrased question. Do the crowd like them? Like, I feel like the crowd was getting in on the Alcaraz bandwagon. Absolutely, and I think we saw it at the U.S. Open last year, like mm-hmm. how the New York crowds kind of got behind Carlos Alcaraz, particularly as he advanced through the tournament. You know, you can see the random you know, uh, finance bros in the second row, like we're like, you know, like going big fist pump at, at Alcaraz. And I think the same thing in Indian Wells, you know, especially too, you had like the teenage fans, they start seeing some people that look like them, you know, Alcaraz is, you know, still only 18, Taylor Fritz a few years older, obviously being from Southern California, growing up in San Diego, his dad guy was actually a fixture in the desert, spent a lot of time in the desert. 
so yeah, I think the fans, I think the fans like them a lot. And, and same with Suyatek, like she's so fun to watch play, like her improvement this year with my buddy Tomas coaching her. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting time. And I think it goes to show that tennis just isn't reliant on one or two big stars. Mm-hmm. I think it's rude that you call our now mutual friend, Brian Koppelman, a finance bro, because he is always sitting second row in New York. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. That's just a free shot, I suppose, at him. I will say this. What do I have to do to get Carlos Alcaraz's biceps? Because if you're going to play sleeveless, that's what you got to look like, right? I mean, how many guys that young go on men's health or men's fitness or whatever? Like, that guy is shredded. Yeah, it's just crazy. Um, No, I mean, again, it it was really fun to watch that action unfold, and I do have some further thoughts on uh, Indian Wells and some of the storylines we've seen emerging here for you. But you are now in Miami, and obviously all of us tennis fans, tennis followers are turning our attention to the second half of this sunshine swing. And, you know, court speed is such an subjective conversation because at least publicly there are no available metrics to say this court is 10% faster than this one or this court is 12% slower than that. That said, there is enough anecdotal evidence and we all have eyes to acknowledge that Indian Wells is arguably, I would say outside of Nur Sultan, the slowest hard court in all of professional tennis. And as such, the sort of tennis we see played at that event is going to be different than some of the hardcore tennis you see played elsewhere in the world. My first question to you would be, how do these Miami conditions differ from Indian Wells? And, you know, as such, what should we expect to see different? You know, one of the things about Indian Wells is that the courts have always been, at least the last, I don't know how many years, um, they've been they've been pretty gritty. But that was always sort of you know, hedged by a ball that was really fast through the air because of the desert air is, is pretty thin and a ball that in the past played pretty quick. The last two, like October and then this year, uh, it seems to me and to some of the other players that, that there is maybe some change in the composition of the ball because the ball has gotten slower. Uh, maybe not quite as slow as the fall, but perhaps like the change of temperature has something to do with that. But um, yeah, it, yeah, Indian Wells plays slow, no doubt about it. Here, the courts feel less gritty. Um, we're playing with the Dunlop ball that I think is a little heavier than the Penn ball uh, last week. And when you get close to the ball changes, you know, the ball is like a grapefruit. Coming out of the ball changes with a new ball as the ball flies, these courts, you know, again, they will start to play fairly quickly. Um, you know, the big difference is going to be the humidity, how the players adjust to the humidity, particularly like the Europeans. Like, usually you love to get a Euro in hot weather. Um, but and you know I, I saw it already today. I've seen you know the trainer out. I've seen the last couple of days guys go down early or girls. Um, but yeah, the humidity is going to be a challenge, and I think you know the the, the change in, in surfaces as well. Um, the courts here are a little bit more protected from the wind. It's been fairly windy. Uh, these big courts are protected from the wind, maybe a little bit more than in Indian Wells. Um, the conditions in that Rafa Alcaraz match were crazy. Uh, if you're playing on one of the smaller outside courts here. There, there is some wind to deal with for sure, but I think as the tournament progresses and the players are playing you know, inside here, inside the grandstand, those are fairly protected from the wind. I know this is a degree sort of question and degrees are subjective. Is this a significant change for these players? How difficult is it to make that adjustment? Because like for me, Indian Wells Stevie was something I was talking about last week. That high bounce in slow court, give him that much more time to find the forehand, that much more bite on his kick. It's, is it difficult to make that transition from that court to these courts? 
No, it's always it's always harder. It's always hard going to Indian Wells for some reason. So you need a few days there. Here, I feel like it's a, a fairly conventional tournament adjustment. Where you just you, okay, I just want to see how quick the courts are, and then beyond that, it's you know it's like kind of all good. It's all the same. Yeah. Do you like those Indian Wells conditions? Uh, yeah. I mean. To be honest, like the last two players I've coached uh, have been players that like to have the ball bouncing up, and players where I like the ball to bounce up, and with good kick serve. So yeah, I, I like going there, and uh, <laughs> I like the I like the conditions. Yeah. Yeah, one could argue maybe you have a type. That's what we're starting to learn here. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. But no, I, it's just you know because I agree with you. I very much enjoy the physicality of Indian Wells. I think it may be the toughest test outside of the majors. Any tournament you have on the calendar. Yeah, some writer said that the matches are never good there. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> You know, you can say you can say Ben's name. Don't worry, he never listens to this show. Um, yeah, I would disagree with him, as I would agree with you on this one. I think the physicality makes it that much more impressive for those who can go through the gauntlet and win that sort of title. How much gas? Again, I know you can only really speak for your own players, but are players starting to feel it? Because this is really the end of the first third of the season, right? As you look at a calendar, is this sort of a checkpoint, right? Like the first third now done as you turn your eyes towards clay? Yeah, and you know, I will qualify kind of the last thing I said. When the wind blows in Indian Wells, yeah, the tennis is, is pretty bad. Um, sure. But going back to your question here, um, I think this part of the year is pretty tough on the European players, particularly on the men's side, the ones who come to play Dallas, Del Rey, Acapulco, Indian Wells, Miami. That's a that's a fairly long swing, and you have a good you know number of guys who will do that. Um, the women, it's a little different because a lot of the women will play Indian, you know, will play in the Middle East, and then you know they have like the Mexico swing, the Monterey and Guadalajara swing, but they don't have sort of the same uh, robust U.S. swing in February um, right now. So. Yeah, I, I do think you see some players who start to feel it. And when you think about it, too, it's another, you know, it's been six weeks on hard courts. Um, so, in a sense, yes. I, mostly the players, I think, who want to go home. Uh, for the players from North America, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Or for the higher-ranked players who only pop in for, you know, two tournaments, I don't think it's that big of a deal just yet. You opened up a door, so I'm going to sneak through it. WTA Austin, your reaction? I think it's great. Um, I was the take. I, you should in come in. It's horrible. I'm out. I hate tournaments <laughs> stateside. Yeah, we need more tournaments. I mean, I yeah. was on the bus this morning with um, Nikki Lawler, who I believe is the president of the WTA and not the CEO, which is Steve Simon. But mm-hmm. She's um, yeah, who's been instrumental in, in securing the title sponsorship for the tour, and as well as you know, playing a large role in, in these in these new events. Um, and uh, there's another new event which potentially might be happening, and there's going to be maybe an announcement today or tomorrow. Um, because they're in meetings right now. The last couple of days have been like, uh, you know, both tours have been having serious meetings and um, that sort of thing. Anyway, uh, yeah, Austin's unbelievable. It's, I think, a great thing that we've seen over the last, you know, how, you know, year or whatever, where we've added some tournaments in the United States. Obviously, I was disappointed that the San Diego ATP did not return, um, but hopefully there will be an opportunity for them to get another pro event down in San Diego at some point. Um, but yeah, Austin's great. It's a great city, um, centrally located, pretty easy to get to. A good jumping off point uh either probably will go mexico then austin um and then indian wells so i think that's a great sort of sequence right there for the players and you know we need tennis in front of people that's really the biggest thing and i are think they'll sh- support it there are you sure you don't want to break news and tell us about that other event yeah i don't have anything solid <laughs> i just I, I, I know that one of the talking issues has been china and then where those sanctions 
you know, what will happen with those events. Yeah, I, there is an opening in the calendar, right? And you talk about San Diego not coming back. You know, you saw in the summer on the women's side, Cleveland, Chicago, they, and those events are coming back this summer. So that's, again, a, a further growth here, stateside WTA events. Midwest, that's your hood. Midwest yeah, stepping up. I'm celebrating. Believe me, I will be in Cleveland. Hopefully it's going to be me and Andrew Krasny having some sort of role there. Um, there's a little sneak peek for you. Um, but... I, I do wonder, because you talk about the opening in China, God, it's good to have you back on the show, Mark. It's been too long since I've gotten to dive into these sorts of topics. That is a hot topic and something I haven't spent enough time covering is there is an opening, right? There is six weeks on the calendar now for sanctions, and you are curious, you know, well, A, particularly right now, it's not as though Russia is going to absorb those events. It's not just easy. Let's do St. Petersburg, Moscow. I know that's not exactly close to China, but it's sort of in, geographically in that area. You wonder if Japan, you know, events in Tokyo or perhaps other things may take the place as well. I don't think Australia wants to get back in the mix. Like they have their month. They have their little section. Where do those events go? You, you could have a more kind of robust European indoor season, sort of a, a like the men. You know, obviously back in the day, I don't know if they had the events when you were a kid, but there was a decent U.S. swing in the fall. Like, there was like there Indianapolis, was like right? There, Indianapolis, there was like a Philadelphia. There yeah. were some random events at the end of the year. Pittsburgh, I think that might have been like a 75, but there there were some events. Um, I don't see that kind of necessarily happening, but I do see potential for an indoor swing. Um, I think, you know, if you have Japan, if you have like if Seoul were to come back, you could have a swing in those sort of Western leaning uh, countries in that part of the world, which I, I've always really enjoyed going to Tokyo. Like, I like, I really love it there. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but obviously like money talks, they need to replace some money that they've kind of lost out on. Um, I don't know if the tour is in the position to subsidize, you know, those events. Um, we'll see. I mean, maybe now they are with the, with the Hologic sponsorship coming in. I don't know. Do you think they'd ever experiment with a South Africa swing or just like a, a tournament there, or maybe you do more South America at the end of the year? They could. I mean, if you know, you think about the seasons being reversed, like they can yeah. go play outdoors there. Um, there's potential for that. I think you just need, you know, to make it geographically make sense. You maybe need to have a circuit of like two or three events in a row so that it's worth the player's while to go there. Do you think Johan Creek is the most underrated player in tennis history? <laughs> I'm just uh, I, have, I have no thoughts about you. Okay, that's fair. Have you read Jeff Sackman's Tennis 128 series at all, where he's counting down the top 128 players in history? No, but I saw Courier was like 107 or something, yeah. or 104. Yeah, I think Courier. It's there's some spice in the list. He's giving me a little sneak peek and showed. I mean, I haven't seen the formula, but if I, I know see him thing. later. I'm gonna ask him what he thinks about that. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, yeah. You should ask him 107. That's a. It's, I guess, a little lower than one would imagine. But, I mean, he's diving into the World War One era, World War Two era. Yeah. Like, again, he, he should have a section of players who won in khakis. It's like a .3 bonus <laughs> in his little formula. And so, um, yeah, it, it's a very interesting series. And, again, I, I, it's exciting because I don't think anyone's done something like that with the depth that Jeff is doing it. Anyways, free plug. You're welcome, Jeff. Um, all of those things said, as we turn towards Miami, I want to ask you about some players, but another fun topic of discussion. Obviously, they're now at Hard Rock Stadium, and they've moved away from Key Biscayne. Your team, Hard Rock. Now, I have never been there, but I did go to Key Biscayne this October. I will say this. It was very fun to hit at. I don't know 
how extraordinary it would be as a tennis facility. Uh, but you've been to both. Give me the breakdown. I think it's not even close how much better <laughs> this site is. You know, the only thing you're missing is like a nice drive across the bridge going over okay. the bay. I get it. But also sometimes that bridge would be backed up like crazy yeah. and it would take forever to get there the same way it can take, you know, longer to get here as well. But from here, from a point of view, as far as I guess, first I'll talk about the players. We have so much more room here. That site in Key Biscayne was just, it was horrendous inside the stadium. There was no space. The food was terrible. We were like in a made up tent outside. Um, it looked like something Jose Andres would be doing like in a, you know, in a war-torn country. Um, shout out to Jose Andres, who I'm a big fan of. But it was just not, you know, here we have like there's permanent there's permanent locker rooms there's a huge space we're up here on the suite sort of club level where the players dining is you know there's more space here than at the u.s open for the players to eat and to spread out and chill and no one's you know you're not on top of each other uh it's just it's super super nice um there's more practice courts here at key biscayne we had to go to calusa park and then we had to go to the yacht club and we had to do all these go out to all these other venues when the matches started happening it was a real pain. Um, I thought the courts at Key Biscayne, you know, they had bubbles. They were not flat. Uh, it just, you know, match courts were kind of like one up against each other here. The match courts are all separate. They're all individual. Um, I, I think it's a way better experience from the fan point of view. I think the stands here are better. More courts have, you know, good viewing. There's better concessions for the fans, better vendors. Mm -hmm. the, the food here for the players is much better. Some guy, like, responded on Twitter, someone's tweet about, like, why food matters, like, Dude, we got to eat, you know? Yeah. And it, if, if you're a tournament and you tank on the food, it explains a lot. It says a lot. I mean, because, yeah, food shouldn't matter from one side to the other because it's all about who you get as a caterer. But it's just one of those things that's a relatively simple fix. Um, so, yeah, I, I like this place just way better. Key Biscayne is – so there's this place by my house – in Michigan called Drake Park and it is so nice and there's tennis courts and there's pickleball courts and there's softball fields and like you know you have the hot dogs and the hamburgers and like the public bathrooms and it is a beautiful public park that is exactly what Key Biscayne is it is not a Masters 1000 venue anymore I would agree with you entirely and I think it's a really nice stadium court and like as a member of the public, you do feel like at Key Biscayne, it is all tennis. That's all it is. It's a big parking lot filled with tennis courts and it's hot out there. Everyone's right under, roasted under that sun and you are just fully uh, in, ingrained, you know, emaciated, um, you know, in the tennis. You're all yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. yeah immersed, in the immersed, immersed. You're there immersed. it is. Thank you. I'm on the IMS. I'm yeah, blanking. The stadium there. was like falling apart on the inside. Yeah. I mean, literally, literally every year, the lights would go out at some point during one of the night matches. <laughs> Uh, okay, just, well, you know, was, I'm in on that. So that's a plus, actually. It just wasn't great. I mean, yeah, like I, you know, I liked going there for the 14s Orange Bowl when I was with the USCA. <laughs> um, but and I so played there in college. That's a like, great reference, our, though. It's great for a junior tournament. It would be a beautiful junior venue. Yeah, it's, it's okay for juniors. But I mean, you know, the courts are super spread out, which is yeah. not like the the best thing in the world but yeah it's it's good for the 14s orange bowl because you have a ton of courts there mm -hmm. and you know the yeah, if you're viewing there like because you bring your chair in your car <laughs> um yeah it's fine um and you know we played there in college too like you know the it was kind of the second site behind university of miami for our big east conference tournament um but for a real tournament 
where you need infrastructure for players and for everything that goes into making a tournament happen, uh, terrible. Do you think you could play in the current BC lineup? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. I don't know. Yeah, you still got it. Let's be honest. Yeah, um, yeah I, give I hit them the, the ball slow- well last week. Yeah, Stevie one day uh, in Indian Wells, I hit the ball well. So you guys played Big East at in Key Biscayne as the second site. Yeah, University of Miami would be the main site, um, and they would obviously schedule themselves there a lot. So um, they could play two matches there because they have 12 courts, and then the other they would play one or two matches at Key Biscayne, like the first rounds, and then as a tournament window, dad, you'd play at the University of Miami. Did, did you guys make semis of Big East one year? Um, I don't know. Uh, we we made quarters because the semis were always it was always Notre Dame, Miami, Virginia Tech, and who was it? We might have made semis. Who was the other one? I think West Virginia, maybe. Yeah. See, this is what now we're talking my speed. Now, now we're going. <laughs> this is my era of college tennis. Um, no, again, you talk about the food mattering. It does matter. All these amenities matter, and the viewing. Because I back the first year in Hard Rock was what 2019 I want to say because was yes. that where Isner's yes. title came in Hard Rock if memory serves me yeah. correctly, um, and I remember the viewing at first because it wasn't you know again there weren't it it seemed like there weren't stands everywhere and it was tough to see some of the back end courts that's no longer an issue. No, no, they, they've done a really nice job creating. Uh, I'm trying to liken it to it feels a little bit like the outside courts feel a little bit like the way the U.S. Open has done their outside okay. courts, like since they kind of realigned those that last row of courts, it feels a little bit like how it does over there. Um, so you'll have like some, like a smaller set of bleachers with like maybe four rows behind the baseline. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have some more bleachers kind of that run along the sideline. And then again, opposite baseline, you'll have another small set of bleachers. Um, so it, it's, it creates a real intimate atmosphere and each court sort of feels like a little mini stadium. Yeah. What's the Porsche to GMC ratio? Uh, it's Cadillac here. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. What did I say? We have all we have all Escalades for us. Uh, ooh, I like that, nice. James. Unless Blake you're Hubie Ro- Hercats driving a McLaren, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's <laughs> you're in his city, right? Like you, everyone comes to kiss the ring here for Hubie. Uh, with all that said, some thoughts from the grounds. Is there a buzz about Barty? You know, her retirement happened like middle of the night uh, for yeah. us. Like, well, not middle of the night. It was like eleven o'clock at night. Uh, when most people were kind of winding down that sort of you know there was like the overnight stuff and um to be honest i haven't really talked about it with anybody here other than like that night when we were texting with each other and mm-hmm. i think most people are not that surprised just because of how she you know walked away from the game the first time and seemed to have you know she seemed to just have a lot of interest outside the court and timing is weird because most players will step away at the end you know maybe at the end of the year after a u.s open but for the australians like the build up for them is to the aussie open in the Aussie summer. So, you know, more power to her. I, I'm really happy for her to be doing it on her own terms. Like, yeah, that's kind of what you want for anybody. So it's pretty exciting. No, we went through with David Kane some of the comparisons, and I think an obvious one, you know, again, you think of the Borgs of the world who went out on top and are close to the top, and, you know, people like, obviously, Ennin and Sampras and Kleisters and all these names have been thrown out there. It's certainly, you feel like there's a vacuum now, perhaps at the top of the WTA, and I am curious, as you look right now, is Iga the player to beat in your mind? She has to be. I mean, I saw her yeah. play, in the, you know, I saw her play a couple matches in Adelaide in the beginning of the year, and, and I was 
very impressed, you know, watching her from, from court side with, you know, her athleticism, her variety, her ability to sort of do different things on the court. And she's someone who just seems really unaffected by her success. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would have to put her up there, you know, until you have other players sort of step up and prove that they can be factors every week. Then, uh, yeah, I think she's a player to beat. Yeah, it feels like there are 45 top 20 players right now on the WTA Tour. And really just pick a week and whomever you pick, perhaps they're the one who are going to break through. But, um, you know, outside of all that, that and there's Iga, who's going to be in the semifinals or the finals and just there at the end. And yeah, it feels like the forehand for her, it's just less attackable now. Like it, she handles pace better. She does everything better than she used to. And she's still not like in at the 2030 Indian Wells, she'll be 28. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and she, I feel like she does it all pretty quietly. Mm-hmm. You and know, there's, there's no drama. Like there's no other stuff that, that comes along with it. I think she just she goes to work and she does her thing and she competes really really hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you turn around a couple of days later and it's the back end of the tournament. She's right there. Mm-hmm. Only one player has ranked in the top ten of both hold and break percentage in the last fifty two weeks. It's Ika Shriantek. And yeah, I think you see it in the results that show. Um you look again on the men's side, seven Americans in the top forty, first time since nineteen ninety seven. In nineteen ninety seven I hope I was out of diapers by the age of two, but I might have been around there like when it actually happened. You know, I didn't turn two till October of that season. Your thoughts on the American men and just the rise we've seen. Yeah, I mean, a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, uh, Jensen Brooksby was just incredible to watch uh, last week. Same thing, like Sebi Korda having Rafa's back against the wall and Rafa kind of escaped there. Taylor Fritz, you know, Tommy Paul played great tennis. Um, yeah, Riley Opelka, obviously, it's it's an exciting time, and I think these guys, particularly as more as they continue to close the gap between you know the top, frankly between them them and Rafa, um, because you know until Novak takes the court in a meaningful match, like he's a non-factor. Mm-hmm. Until Roger comes back, like he, even if Roger does come back, he's not going to be the same Roger at this point. You'd have to think physically. Um, so yeah, I think there's the next two years, three years. Year, I think you're going to see this game broken wide open much in the same way that the women's sort of the tiles have been up for grabs mm-hmm. over the last couple of years notice how you talked about all the americans who had success and we didn't even mention taylor fritz there who freaking yeah. won the tournament right and wins the title and that's just how successful things are you know my thing is can we get six guys seated at the 2022 u.s open and what would that do for the crowds there and will there be a buzz about like I think there is an unequivocal buzz about American men's tennis just about everyone has either written the piece or done the podcast it feels with all because there have been moments right certainly when Jack Sock won the 2018 Paris Masters and the success he had had in doubles now uh, compounded with a top 10 singles ranking you felt like that was a moment and you know during that time Kudla who's right around that age was making a fourth round at Wimbledon and certainly there have been runs but you imagine it just this feels a little bit more real than, than perhaps some of those prior runs because they're all having success and they're all under the age of 26. Yeah, it feels sustainable. You know, yeah. you have like a Taylor Fritz you mentioned, you know, we didn't even mention Francis Tiafo, yeah. um, who is, you know, coming back from injury and he's putting himself in the mix uh, right away. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very possible to have six guys seated. It kind of just depends how some things break between now and then. But you just you look at these players and they're they're pushing each other they're all really getting better they've all done a a pretty good job at sort of you know coming around and, and sort of coming to grips with 
everything that comes with success because that can be a real distraction for for some players like the you know the the media attention the the off the court you know uh, commitments and things like that the you know even like like the party party stuff um it seems like most of them have gotten to a place where they sort of know each bucket the demands of each bucket but that first of all like they need to get better as a player um to see their growth you know frankly knowing most of them since you know early in juniors it's pretty cool yeah yeah again i I think they've been excellent i also think there's a depth right now and that includes obviously a a guy by the name of stevie johnson who i gotta ask you questions about before i let you go he's looked good this year i mean again there's uh, he looks fit he he looks just energized i know to get this indian wells swing and to get to play stateside something he always enjoys but things things looking good in camp stevie yeah i think all the this older you know group is making a push right now um you know, for him, it's a matter of trying to stay healthy. You know, his, Australia was kind of compromised a little bit at the end, like with the Yannick Sinner match, and then you know this match here. Uh, you know, if his body cooperates, I think he'll have a you know he'll have a good year. Jack looks Jack looks really good too. Uh, John obviously is always a factor. So like with with these three guys, and you know Dennis Kudla running off the Challenger title, and then now Qualing winning his first round yesterday. Uh, you know these guys aren't going away quietly either. So. I think, um, yeah, it could be a fun time by the time we get to the American hard courts, even the grass, um, you know, even the clay, frankly, because these guys can all play on clay, too. So it could, could be a good year. Did you get to see Kudla Jerry Shang at all? I didn't. No, I was uh, I was long gone from the court. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Jerry can freaking play. I mean, 17 years old guy hits the snot out of the ball. But, yeah, you mentioned it. The Mackies, the Garones, the Kudlas. Yeah, geez, not even mentioning those guys who were kind of right in the middle. Like, yeah, yeah Mackie, exactly. Garone, that whole Pressy, yeah. that, just the UCLA crew. We've blocked them out. Um, but, yeah, they're all exceptional. And, yeah, again, there's a depth right now in American men's tennis that's certainly enjoyable. You mentioned Jack. I mean, whether I saw the Rafa match at the City Open, the Tsitsipas match in Indian Wells. He is playing some of his best tennis again, and that's always a scary thing. Last question for you. Better interviewer of Brian Koppelman, you or me? <laughs> uh, you me. know, I think Brian makes everybody look good. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think Brian's good. Brian's so good at telling his story that I think yeah. he makes everybody feel good and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. How Now that I can get the honest assessment behind the scenes, you can violate attorney-client privilege here. Come on, how, tell me about the forehand. It, it it needs some work for him. You know what? His forehand's pretty good, actually. Okay. Um, that's the strength of his game, it's... 100%. Like, you know, we worked on the inside-out forehand. We worked on basically, like, the combination of being able to play inside-out. The, you know, player hits a high backhand back with some height, and then he steps in and takes it on the rise um, to the same spot, which is a pattern, I think, that a lot of pros do well. I think a lot of amateurs do it pretty poorly. Um, so we worked on that a lot and, and not over hitting the ball on the rise, like aiming shorter in the court um, to give himself some margin. And he did it pretty well. I like he just got to continue to work on his backhand. Yeah. I like it. Is Showtime your go? Oh, Showtime. Is Billions your go to show right now? Yeah, I'm obsessed with Billions. Yeah, yeah it's so freaking good. And, yeah. I, and Super Pumped uh, has really, I, I really like Super Pumped too. I'm an episode behind. I got to watch this week. Okay. So let, yeah, I just I thought saw it's gotten better. It's gotten better each time. Yeah, I just saw them rescind Coach Taylor's card, so he can't go in anymore. I forget <laughs> his name. Kyle Chandler. I forget the character's yeah. name. Bill Gurley oh, yeah, or something? Coach. Yeah, Coach. Bill Gurley, yeah. yeah so the next episode, I think Uma Thurman's in, and oh, she's just fantastic. Man. I mean, I think the acting, like particularly Kyle Chandler, I mean, now seeing Uma Thurman in the show, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like the acting to me is is – off the charts yeah it's really well done it really it's it's exceptional um 
All right. With all that said, Coach, where, what, do we, what can we expect from you from the podcast? Of course, I know you obviously you're busy doing you know some coaching. But yeah, we're get to hear. I actually just um, no commentary for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be mainly you know the encore tennis, and then I'm going to try to be better with the pod. I just recorded actually an interview with Kudla a little while ago, so okay. that'll come out either tonight or tomorrow, depending on you know everything else that goes on. And uh, yeah, just busy actually with a lot of first break stuff. Um, you know, our mm-hmm. nonprofit that's located. Um, at the center in Carson. Um, yeah, we've actually got some good momentum going. Our courts are packed with kids from Carson and Compton. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward right now to a great summer camp. That's what I love to hear. Where am I going to see you next? Jeez, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what tournaments are you coming to next? You tell me, where do I need to go and I'll come find you? <laughs> a minimum, hopefully, DC, like at the Probably latest. DC. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to bring my rackets. Let's play. Good. Yeah. Good. I mean, you're gonna have to get the court. I'm gonna be honest. I don't have that type of sway. Uh, but yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, I'll call. I'll call Mark and get the court. Yeah, yeah we'll talk to your league sources. Uh, but as always, yeah, Coach, it is a pleasure. Um, yeah, do you want to do two minutes on the Supreme Court hearings, or should we sign off here? You tell me. I'm ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> I know you are. It's really do I want to do it? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, look, I think we filibustered long enough. Much like some of the people who were asking questions so i think judge jackson's going to be a great justice and i I really do and i think her her indications of her sort of judicial philosophy are i think significantly to the right of what a lot of people want them to be uh she comes out for me very much along the lines of a scalia gorsuch type uh, textualist which is a little bit surprising i think to a lot of people but i think also should be reassuring yeah it's how's that that was excellent. That was actually precisely what I was looking for. So with that said, I think that's a perfect place to end it. Um, I'll say this. Uh, 52 votes. That's my guess. That are 50 th- ooh, 54 votes. 54 votes. Final number. Murkowski, Collins, Romney, Sass. All vote yes. That's pretty good. Did you catch uh, my guy from Stanford? Uh, not, um, Cory Booker yesterday? Oh, he was excellent. Yeah, he oh, was man. fantastic. I mean, Just he's always like, oh, you're not going to find a better speaker than Court Booker out there. And so, yeah, all right, I wish that, that guy was like my coach. If he was yeah. my coach, man, I, oh. him and like Gil Reyes are like my two like inspirations. Do you want to do which senator would make the best tennis coach? I think this could be a fun <laughs> list as well. We can go. It's it's not Bernie. For some, it might be Bernie. I feel like he's more of a Lendl type, so maybe you need that. <laughs> um, but no, with all of that said. Um, Coach of the Sarah, always a pleasure. Appreciate you taking the time. Be safe, be healthy, my friend. All right, buddy. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Coach Lucero. A huge thank you to him for talking about all sorts of topics, including 
the newest appointment, perhaps, to the U.S. Supreme Court. Of course, if you want to hear more from him, check out his Check the Mark podcast. Be sure to follow him on Twitter as well for insightful information, which he shares in each and every tweet. Of course, if you're looking for more about what's happening across levels in the tennis world, our website, CrackedRackets.com, is the place for you. Of course, on our podcast, we're talking all things biggest storylines, results, controversies on the Mini Break podcast feed. We're talking to college tennis players, coaches, our favorite players and coaches and, you know, cast of characters from around the tennis world as well on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. And you can find all of those podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to mention, um, message me directly. Excuse me. I'm at A.L. Gruskin. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. A shout out to the support we get from our friends at Turna as well. Remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com today to join the Turna family. With all of that said, for the fantastic coach, Mark Lucero, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turna, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.